Welcome, my lords, to the White City, where you will learn more about Middle-earth and discover differences and similarities between the Rings of Power show and Tolkien's books, and whether Amazon's show, episode by episode, is worth watching. I'm Philip Dutt, your host, and I'll be joined by Matt Vandervoort. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back again for another theme and topics uh, for the Rings of Power show related to Tolkien's books on Middle-earth. And for this episode here, Matt and I are going to be talking about uh, goodness um, and you know, relating that between some, uh, you know, characters in the show and in the, the books as well. Um, yeah, so, um, Matt, I just, uh, want to take us away on, uh, yeah. on this? Yeah, so, when looking at, I was kind of thinking, when looking at the concept of goodness in Tolkien, you have sort of two strains of it, you have, um goodness as like a choice to be made and goodness as like I don't know a facet of your nature and your being I guess um so for example you have in the show you have uh the wizard who probably isn't but might be Gandalf at the end choosing to be good choosing in one of the strangest choices of a line in the show but when he screams out that he's good um he that's very clearly him choosing not to go with the evil cultist people and to go and to be good um and then you have in that same storyline you have that kind of contrasted with the little harfoot girl whose name i can't remember nori um what do you say nari nori Nori. Nori, yeah. that's right. Um, and you have, yeah, you have her where she sort of, you can see her struggling more because it's part of her, na- like, she wants to help this guy and she wants to do the right thing. Um, and it's not necessarily the, the most practical choice. Um, and then you have in The Lord of the Rings itself, you have Boromir sort of choosing to be good by rejecting the ring as soon as he sees, like, oh, this is having this control over me and what have I done? And you can also look at Galadriel choosing to reject the ring as sort of a a choice to be good. And on the on the other hand, you have Wormtongue, who is offered the choice to be good and rejects the choice to be good. Mm. Um, but at the same time, you have characters like Sam, who... He he does reject the ring. He does make the conscious choice to reject the ring. But it's it's almost like he's like he briefly considers it but then just rejects it outright because um he doesn't really want anything that the ring is offering him. Um and so you have you have characters like Sam and Mostly, especially with the Hobbit characters, the Hobbits are sort of portrayed as just being fundamentally kind of homely and good people. And you could almost say, you can almost see that in a lot of ways, Tolkien equates that sort of good-naturedness with 
sort of a lack of ambition, I guess. Not that, not that he thinks that doing grand things is wrong, because obviously you have characters like Aragorn who is never explicitly called, like said to be in the wrong because he's not chasing his destiny of being the king of Gondor, but he he sort of comes into his own once he accepts that that's his fate. Um, so you have you have on the one hand you have characters that are good and that are sort of being good and then you have characters that are choosing good and I thought that um, that was something that sort of the tension between like what is goodness um, because in the show you have Galadriel and she's sort of choosing what she thinks is good even though all the other elves think that she should kind of chill um, but then she ends up being right but is she really right is she going after this so much that it's sort of wrapping around to be a bad thing um, so yeah, so you're sort of, they're sort of dealing with the theme of like, what is goodness? Is goodness a choice? Is it a facet of your nature? Is it a character trait? Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. I don't know if you have anything to say along yeah. those Yeah, I guess something I kind of think of is, you know, this this talking right into his character's that, oh, this person is just evil. Like, you, know, you could say, well, Morgoth, you know what I mean? Yeah. Kind of like kind of like the fallen fallen angel kind of thing. He was maybe like... a little like... evil. Just what? Just He's a little evil. Just a little evil. And... But, like... Um, I, I just... I can't remember. Um, like, Sauron, like, I don't really hear anything about him besides, like, the fact that he's, like, joining with Morgoth the whole time. Yeah. Um, so you have these clear, like, two evil characters from the beginning who are basically the whole time the ones that are, you know, doing the bad stuff, uh, more or less. And so we don't really, I know, you don't really, I guess with Sauron, I guess, I don't really see him deciding to choose the path, um, necessarily, except that I guess in the beginning... You know, everybody, I guess, has a good side. and He's sort of seduced by um, Morgoth, Melkor at the time. And then after the fall of Morgoth, there are sort of, there's sort of a, an implication. I think it actually, I think Tolkien writes like, nobody knows for sure if he really was repentant or not, because mm-hmm. there's a brief period right after the fall of Morgoth where Sauron's like kind of debating, like, do I go back? Do I repent? Because he's offered a kind of, like, yeah, you'll you'll be punished, but once you're done with your punishment, you can be accepted back into the fold. So he's offered that, mm-hmm. but then he decides he thinks he's too far gone, and so he rejects it. And so that's a really good, I feel like that's a really good, on the flip side, discussion of, okay, is in that instance, is he choosing to be evil, or is he just so evil that he cannot choose the good? Yeah. To a certain extent, I think maybe Tolkien is showing that like he goes so far down a path that he can't that yeah. he can't return from it, you know. In that sense, I feel like most characters Tolkien writes, except for like you know like the orcs, you know maybe like they start off as a, oh hey like with good intentions, and then in the yeah. end they either end up you know going good or going evil. Yeah, it doesn't really seem. 
that I don't know. Like, I guess if I think about think about like characters that are truly evil, that are, you know that are main characters in the story. You know, I think of primarily like oh. In the end, I guess you'd say like Sauron and Morgoth yeah. and Saruman. Yeah. Those are pretty key ones. But then you have Gollum, who yeah. is just like, like fight Gollum. fighting the entire time yeah. about like should I do this or should I not? You know. And I think Gollum especially is sort of a a reflection of all things work together for good. Sort of in Tolkien's writing, um, his re- the reflection of his particular worldview of that because I think in his last moments. Gollum is acting selfishly and on wrong motivations. He just wants the ring. Throughout the whole journey, he's like going back and forth between, you know, Gollum and Smeagol. And Gollum's like, I just want the ring. And Smeagol's like, but Frodo is nice to me and I don't want to hurt him. And in the end, Gollum wins out. And it's because Gollum wins out that the ring gets destroyed. Which, um, you know... It's interesting because you don't usually have that kind of character arc in stories. Usually it's somebody finally triumphing and choosing because Frodo chooses the ring in the last in the last moments. He decides not to destroy the ring. And it's only through Gollum's also choosing the ring that leads to the destruction of the ring. Yeah. And so in a way in a way, in that moment, this is kind of straying from the good versus evil discussion, but in a way, in that moment, Frodo is a failed hero, and Gollum is a failed villain. <laughs> because Gollum, like, he gets what he wants, but then he basically saves the world by accident. Um, and I think that's a reflection of... Um, I was having this discussion on Reddit with people recently about how... Um, in Tolkien's writing, uh, mortal people, like, elves aren't mortals, but, you know, men and elves and lesser beings who are not, you know, the Valar or higher, uh, cannot successfully defeat evil on their own. Um, and, and yet... In what ways? Like, so, in the Silmarillion, uh, the only reason Morgoth gets defeated, it's not the the men and the elves that are fighting him. They get, they're basically driven back, and it's, uh, I think it's Erendir, I get all the names confused, it's been a while since I read it, but the Mariner, um, who goes and begs the, the Valar, he's like, please help, and they're the ones that come back and defeat Morgoth, and throw him into the void, and... Uh, it's so violent and destructive that it destroys Beleriand. It destroys that entire section of the continent. Um, it's not the men and the elves. They don't. They completely fail. Um, in the same way, it's not Frodo would have never gotten the ring to Mordor by himself, and he couldn't even destroy it by himself. He had to be. Uh, it was essentially, in a way evil defeating itself but not really it was sort of the will of Iluvatar or whatever however you want to interpret it yeah um so Frodo can't destroy the ring Sam can't make Frodo destroy the ring like 
you realize in that moment, like Sam, it's not like he's because he's focused on Frodo, which is good. I think Sam, like, I don't think Sam does anything wrong, but I think it's just sort of that expression of, um, in, in that moment, in the moment of like ultimate decision, you can't stand on your own strength. Um, which, you know, you see literally with, I can't carry it, but I can carry you. Frodo can't go on himself. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's an important part of, um, of Tolkien's writing is that, uh, you good cannot triumph like good will not triumph just through the the will of men and the will of uh of us we have to have help from something mm-hmm. outside of ourselves um and so like even even if you go and you look and you see the battle of the black gate the only reason the battle of the black gate doesn't end in everyone like the entire armies of the west getting slaughtered is because the ring gets destroyed so it's all it's all about hoping and getting help from elsewhere it you hmm. can't do it on your own um it's a good point like it's one of those things that sometimes i was thinking about this actually earlier today was about like kind of the theme of hope um but i mean kind of all tie in into just like choosing good or evil yeah um and I was trying to think, like, there, it's kind of hard to, like, the way you're describing it with, like, Frodo and Gollum just not being able to basically reject the ring in the end. Yeah. Right? Um, like, you know, the things like that, I don't, I don't really think about how, okay, like, what are things that, what are other, like, what are ways people are, like, hoping, like, what things are they getting hope from, I guess, in yeah. the middle of our storyline? And I feel like, at least in, like, The Lord of the Rings, it's kind of hard to see, like, it being, you know, anybody outside of, like, oh, here come the writers of Rohan, yay, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but in a lot of ways, it's, you know, things that aren't in your control that, you know, that are actually helping you in the end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if you look at, like, the... Gandalf can be sort of the most direct, inner divine, if you want to use that term, intervention... Um, in the events of the Lord of the Rings. Um, and so you, you have that sort of outside influence, but you have to, if you want to go back to the, the choice, you kind of have to choose to accept the help. Um, and I think that's sort of, in some ways, that can be, I don't know, this is kind of tentative, but you can, in some ways you can tie that to goodness is that part of part of being good and making the right choices and being successful in Tolkien's worldview is uh, admitting you can't do it on your own and you need outside help and accepting the help that's offered to you. Um, which I think it'll be interesting to see how that particular theme plays out in the show because like with the wizard obviously that was really kind of portrayed as in some ways it was portrayed as him sort of reaching into himself and 
finding the goodness within mm. himself. Um, and yeah. of of course, I mean, Nori was there to sort of trigger that in him, but he kind of does it all himself, and he's the he's the stronger being in that particular instance. Yeah, because um, uh, like off of that little bit is I feel like an instance with him, you know, basically coming straight from the Valar, right? Just sending him. Yeah. When you you kind of think, well, like then he's like. He's originally then going to be sent for a good reason. Yeah. So him having to figure out whether or not he is good is kind of a little bit counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, on the one hand, they can't really get away with... It, it'll be interesting to see how they portray the battle whenever that happens. The, the Battle of the Last Alliance, if they get that far. Because... Um, if they portray it as, like, the big, climactic, victorious battle, um, it, it's victorious as a battle, but the events surrounding it are very, like, it's seen as their last shot, and what needs to happen doesn't happen. Um, they don't destroy the ring. So, if they build up to it and kind of play it off as like oh this big old end series finale where everything gets resolved and it's just like we all know okay no it doesn't get resolved um because you know again this this alliance of men and elves cannot truly have victory until um they they can't overcome evil on their own um it seeps into the hearts of men or something (laughs) something along those lines um and so and again that is kind of the the issue there is like does all the good for all the good that they do it still ends tragically in a lot of ways it's still kind of a tragedy and um you know especially as from the perspective of the viewers if you know anything about the story it's like that's the high point, and then it's just decline and downfall from there until uh, the last gasp happens and Frodo destroys the ring and Aragorn reunites the kingdoms and everything's kind of briefly set to right again. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, that's... Uh... Which, uh, even the Lord of the Rings, none of this is canon, but he started to write a sequel... <laughs> Where, uh, they're like cults of Sar of Sauron start to pop up, and like he talks about little kids going out in the street and playing orc, and he he wrote like twenty pages of it and then stopped because it was too depressing. <laughs> so, um, it's just like yeah. it's this kind of this cycle of until and I think this is very evocative of his worldview, is that there will be bright moments. And there will be high points, but not until the end of the world will everything be set right. And you can't, no matter what we as a society or as men and elves or whatever context you're talking about, no matter what they do, it's always going, there's always going to be backsliding and there's always going to be an undercurrent of corruption that happens. Um, and yeah, and I think 
I think that's just a part of the story that needs to be dealt with. And I, I think, I mean, starting with Numenor being in the state it is, I think is a good uh, nod to that because, uh, again, at this point in the storyline, Numenor, it's like you have the glory and the greatness of Numenor, and I don't think he's trying to undercut that. Um, but you also have the darkness and the the undercurrent beneath it that's kind of insidious and i think that's also something that he does is he gives nuance to these sort of where it's like there can be great civilizations and they can be corrupt and they can be great and corrupt at the same time which um is kind of a nuance that a lot of people these days i feel like like it's either you're all good or you're all bad and there's no middle ground and it's just like well there can be middle ground um, and you can be great while also admitting your faults and you can have faults while also being great. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's kind of an in-between that he, he plays up very well. Cause I, I can't remember where I've read this, but I know I've read, um, and there's people that have talked about how like the greatest in the, in middle earth, the greatest days of Numenor that are looked back on the most fondly are also the days when they're like it's this point in their history where they have the evil king. He, he's like considered the evil, the worst king, but also the greatest and most glorious king. Like even Feanor is like that. Where it's like, he's this terrible person. And he's also like looked back on as like the epitome of what the Noldor could be, even though he's also like the worst of them. But also like, I think in the podcast, I described him as, earlier in the podcast, I've described Feanor as, Feanor is the best elf, and Feanor is also the worst elf. It's like, I think that's something that Tolkien definitely draws on, is the idea that just because you're, just because you are, just because you have faults doesn't mean you don't have redeeming qualities. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, even though, like, there is the good and there is the evil... There's yeah. still people that are in the middle fighting about which side they're yeah. wanting to join. Yeah. yeah. And even those that, like, join the good can still fail and fumble and fall. Like, Boromir's like that. He's ostensibly, he's on the, like, not even ostensibly, he's, he's in the fellowship. He's helping them on their quest, but he still struggles with the temptation for the ring. Thanks for visiting the White City. Before you leave, please subscribe to our podcast and check us out at thewhitecitypodcast.com. Consider supporting my movement on Facebook, keeping the rings of power pure.